With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Week one has arrived. This season, we're going to spend a bit more time on each of these positional rankings and tiers. Not just, you know, looking at each player's performances the last three to five games, but also who their opponent is their tendencies, their injuries, their weaknesses, all about the matchups, Hayden, as we dig into your rankings on a weekly basis. Yeah, if you are new here, Underdog Network, I have the blueprint. It goes over all the positional rankings, more charts than anybody could ever imagine. This is the baseline (laughs) chart, though. How many points they're projected to score, how many plays they were supposed to run. Teams on the top right are the teams we want. The terrible teams are on the bottom left. And last caveat here, we are recording this show on Tuesday. Some of these other shows will be recorded on Wednesday. Come back on Sunday morning. There's so much news updates. There's so much more information that we digest. If you're not coming in on Monday or Sunday morning to recheck your lineups and stuff, you're missing out. Every Sunday morning, we will have a long-ass Q&A show just for you, all live, just to answer your questions. Um, And before we get onto that, hopefully you've enjoyed all of our, let's call it, fantasy football draft season content over the last two months. We are going to continue this train all the way through this entire season. Obviously, September and October are super meaningful for you. So hit that subscribe button. Be a part of the 29% who actually subscribe when watching the channel versus, I don't know, the 71 that just go into thin air and vanish in front of our eyes. Okay, once again, these are Haynes rankings in the comments down below. As always, let us know what you think of them. We kick it off with Christian McCaffrey facing the Pittsburgh Steelers, Hayden. Yeah, this is one of those where it's just like he's the best player in fantasy. We ranked him there previously. I don't think any of the top uh, players in running back rankings have like elite matchups. So I'm kind of more or less going off of where we were drafting them in redraft and until proven otherwise, I'm going CMC. Pittsburgh was really good against the run last year, allowing just 11.5 rushing points per game to opposing backfields. We saw that Brock Purdy did return during preseason action, but what we saw from Brock was, you know, a lot of heavy play action, a lot of other stuff on the move, some screens too. So I doubt they'll have like their full complement of drop back passing game, but that can actually, you know, aid Christian McCaffrey, who when he was with the the, the San Francisco 49ers last year, only Austin Eckler ran more pass routes and caught more passes at the position. Speaking of Austin Eckler, he's next against the Miami Dolphins. So if you're just looking at this chart, you can see the Charger projected for the third most points on the week, and we're expecting them to play with a lot of pace as well. So for Austin Eckler, it's the team that's going to score a lot of points. The backup role we think is going to Joshua Kelly, but the fact that we don't know if it's Kelly or Isaiah Spiller suggests to me that's just going to be the same thing with Austin Eckler for as long as he can handle all the touches. And I think that week one is going to be a potential shootout against a Dolphins team 
that I think actually plays against the Chargers defense fairly well. So Dolphins have a new defensive coordinator in Vic Fangio. He has been the lord of the two high shell, uh, almost the one that made it back in vogue across the league. That could mean more dump offs to Austin Eckler, which we saw a lot of last year. But, you know, so much of the conversation this offseason around the Chargers has focused on the downfield passing attack. You know this. We've talked about it during fantasy draft season. I would also look at the improved offensive line for the Chargers and just more explosive runs that they're going to get out of it. Uh, part of that is the Kellen Moore scheme. Tony Pollard had 31 carries of 15-plus yards on just 193 uh, rushes last year. Austin Eckler had 22 on 204 carries, which is the 16th most. But let's mm-hmm. get up to, I don't know, top five status like Tony Pollard did last season. God, the segues. Tony Pollard is next as you're running back three in your rankings. Yeah, I just moved him up again, just looking at his matchups a little bit softer than other everybody else's. He's actually in the eruption tier in my matchups column. And I just think Tony Pollard, it's just Rico Daddle behind him, Deuce Vaughn, maybe, but I think it's just going to be for the first time, all Tony Pollard every single time that he has had the backfield to himself. He's been an upside RB1. So I think that, like you said, he should have been a first-round pick in fantasy drafts. If you got him in the second rounds, congrats. Now you have my running back three of the week. Yeah, I went through your initial rankings on Tuesday morning, then about an hour ago prior to recording. He shot up about, I don't know, three or four spots here. And I understand it. Like you said, this could be an eruption spot. And a big part of that is we have seen Tony Pollard erupt in games previously, but through four NFL seasons, he has just 18 carries inside the 10-yard line. So as you talked about, it's Rico Daddle and a 165-pound Deuce Vaughn, who is going to be taking these goal line snaps once the Cowboys get inside the 10 or the five-yard line from Tony Pollard. We could get eruption spots for numerous weeks moving forward with Tony Pollard. Nick Chubb against the Cincinnati Bengals checks in as you're running back four. Yeah, this is another one where, just like Tony Pollard, there's nobody behind him right now. Maybe Jerome Ford is healthy and ready to go as his number two, or it can just be more Nick Chubb in a full-time role. We haven't seen full Chubb before in this offense, except early on, in, uh, I think it was 2019, without Kareem Hunt when he's on pace for over 50 receptions. This could be a potential spot where they're trailing, and Nick Chubb gets actually a couple more receptions than we're used to. And even if he doesn't, he's been in this conversation before right. i think the matchup's totally fine Bengals defense i'm calling i think they're going to be one of the more overrated defenses early on in fantasy this has a total of 47 and a half points right now we've been promised this extra pass game usage i'm glad we finally get to see it hopefully as you said jerome ford just returned to practice they just made the move for pierre strong hey last year nick chubb top three receptions just one time does he do it again here in week one I think three is totally a totally fair number, and that's potentially we want four, five, or six. Though that's what we yeah, want. But you can get that against Joe Burrow, and what should be a very pass-heavy attack on the other side. Josh Jacobs against the Denver Broncos is up next as your running back five. Yeah, with Josh Jacobs, really, this just goes back to what he was doing last year. He was a top five running back there. I think that the matchup is difficult in general. The Raiders aren't projected to score very many points. But I think the secondary of the Broncos is where it shines, not necessarily as much up front. Josh Jacobs, doesn't matter the game script. He's going to be featured. I'm not worried about the holdout or anything like that. They're saying he's in shape. They're going to run him into the ground. I don't think anything's really changed going from Jimmy G to Derek Carr. I believe Vance Joseph is back for his second time with the Denver Broncos as defensive coordinator. So that's a change up now with Sean Payton as head coach. But I will say Josh Jacobs against the Broncos last season feasted 
on them. 175 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns and 33 touches in the first matchup. Then week 11, 160 total yards on 27 touches. So excited to see what Josh Jacobs does. Now he gets a little extra bump in his contract. All right, Bijan Robinson is your running back six. Widely considered one of the premier running back talents of the last decade. And now we get to see it in a real NFL game. Yeah, I think he has a chance to finish as the running back one this week just because the Falcons are quietly projected for 23 and a half points, which is like a lot more than they were yep. projected last year. And I think a lot of it's just going to be because it's Bijan Robinson in this ground game. So I think the only thing that we're trying to figure out is just how involved is CPAT and Tyler Algier. But I think the baseline projection for us in a game where they're going to be winning or trailing just by a couple points, close matchup here. I think that Bijan Robinson's ready for a huge game, especially if Brian Burns isn't going to play. Yeah, we'll talk about this in the other positional rankings and tiers, but it's kind of bad vibes around this Panthers team heading into week one. Mm -hmm. We've heard all about the offensive line scenarios. No one's getting open for wide receivers. And now, despite attending all training camp and practicing and being on site, Brian Burns is having a hold in because he wants a contract. He's obviously their best defensive player. The Panthers have a totally new defensive coordinator. Um, a new system that we don't know exactly what it is going to be. Meanwhile, just Falcons running backs led the league in yards and yards per carry last season. Uh, I am interested to see a bit of this offensive weapon stuff because mm -hmm. it was teased, but we never saw it put into practice during the preseason. Saquon Barkley, you're running back seven facing the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, so that's the only thing I can poke a hole in is the Saquon role is going to be fantastic. I think that there's a chance the Giants offense is just a little bit more consistent uh, game over game, but it's just the Cowboys defense, I think, is like one of the few difference-making defenses. The front line is completely nasty, so that's like my one concern here. And Vegas kind of agrees. The Giants are middle of the pack in projected points. For the Cowboys, they spent a first-round pick on massive athletic nose tackle Mozzie Smith. I saw him get pushed around quite a bit during preseason action. Um, rookie center, I believe, for the New York Giants, too, and John Michael Schmidt. So that will be an intriguing matchup to watch. But, man, they can use Saquon in a bunch of different ways. We saw those pony personnel looks last year with two running back sets, and I'm excited to see what the Giants do this season. Joe Mixon, you're running back eight, again, facing the Cleveland Browns. I think this is one where I'm going to be more aggressive than everybody else. Last year, the Browns were 27th versus fantasy running backs. They were 30th in EPA allowed. They did try to make some improvements on that front line for Cleveland, but I do think that we're underappreciating just how special Joe Mixon's role is going to be. He was already top five in fantasy usage last year, and that was with Samaj P. Ryan playing all those passing down snaps. If they don't have Chris Evans or Travion Williams or Chase Brown step up, which I think is probably my expectation for week one, I think that Mixon's going to be absolutely fed and it's going to be very hard for him to fail attached to this offense. I think that he's right right now game script independent. That's pretty hard to find right now. I like that a lot. I mean, he ran 18 total pass routes last year on third down with just three catches again on third down. We see him catch a ton of passes on first and second down. Maybe it's that lack of faith in pass pro, but they might have to force him into that mm -hmm. role this season. Okay. Ramondre Stevenson against a vaunted Philadelphia Eagles defensive line is your running back nine. Yeah, this is just also betting on him being able to catch some passes. I'm fading Zeke, especially early on. Zeke's like just kind of got there. I, I think he might be a little bit out of shape too. So I think the Ramondre's role in week one is fairly safe. It's just the matchup is extremely tough. So I think that there pretty much has been kind of a tier break once we get into the Ramondre Stevenson tier. Eagles defense loaded up front. They didn't also lose a lot of starters. Just in general, they did replace them 
with first round talent. Very curious to see how aggressive the Eagles are on defense. I would say very when you consider even Patriots fans don't know exactly who's starting along their offensive line. I don't think we saw a single snap from Calvin Anderson, and he's supposed to be their week one starter at mm-hmm. right tackle. We know Rudman is uh, a little nervous in his shorts. I, I will say Riley Reef was not necessarily a huge difference. No. Maker, so I def- even though he was supposed to be starting, he's out. I but, don't want to make too much adjustments off that. Neither of them are supposed to be good. Going from Matt, uh, excuse me, going from Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, now to Bill O'Brien is a massive change, but we've also seen this team when they are successful, it like goes by Trent Brown in this offensive line. And we just have so many questions about this offensive line. I will say revenge game for the Patriots. Matt Patricia is the senior defensive assistant (laughs) for the Eagles time to get that revenge. Ken Walker finishes week one as your top 10 running back against let's say the less loaded Rams defense. Yeah, this is one where I'm just looking at it, and I don't know what I'm exactly missing here. The Seahawks, you can see, are tied for third in projected points. They're massive home favorites against the Rams. And my favorite note that I came across doing this research this week, the Rams have one player on defense that was a first or second round pick. That was Aaron Donald. And I believe they only have one third round pick as well. Like we were talking about this. We literally could play accountant or NFL starter with the Rams defense, and I would not be able to know which is the difference. Ken Walker is a home run hitter, and I'm putting in my column, a 3-1 count at home. Time to speak for the fences. Ken Walker's going to get it done. One first-round pick, no second-round picks. Lots of third-round picks. But I just want to read some of these defensive starters for the people out there because I'm going to learn them in week one as well. Uh, Ernest Brown, Bobby Brown. Um, <laughs> then we get Christian Roseboom. We get Michael Hecht as an outside linebacker too. Um, it's going to be Russ Yeast. At free safety, potentially. I'm just reading, you know, what's on our lads at the moment. I'm going to be learning all these players' names like you are in week one. I'm here for it, man. Like, especially with JSN potentially not being a 100% player during week one, we could be seeing massive game-breaking moments once again through the ground game, as we saw from Kenneth Walker last year. And it's a prime, prime matchup to start that off with. Okay, let's jump to tier two. And your first name in tier two is none other than Derrick Henry. He is facing the New Orleans Saints, which is like, I think, a very weird week one matchup between two teams. Yeah, I hate to put the big dog in the tier two conversation, but you're just looking at the chart. I mean, they're projected for the third fuse points, Tennessee at like 18 and a half. And that this is like one of the games where like I think it could just be not that much pace involved. We've seen the Saints do that on the opposite side. So I'm worried about play volume. Derrick Henry's certainly going to get his. He can always break a 60-yard run and make this ranking yeah. Look silly, but if you're just looking at Ken Walker versus Derrick Henry, similar roles, except one's projected score at least a full more touchdown than the other. And once again, the Titans are like reshuffling their offensive line. They have a bunch of new pieces this year. They have Philadelphia Eagles cast off Andre Dellard at left tackle. They obviously spent a first round pick on Peter Skronsky, who I believe is starting at left guard. They brought in Daniel Brunskill for right tackle, but he's been missing in camp for like the last couple of weeks. So I don't know what this is going to look like. Obviously, the Titans have their identity, um, and it is going through Derrick Henry. Travis Etienne at the Indianapolis Colts in week one checks in as you're running back 12. I'm surprised how few points the Jaguars projected to score against the Colts. The Colts lost so many people on defense this year. It was actually shocking. We're talking about linebackers, safeties, edge rushers, everybody on the Colts. And I think that Travis Etienne is going to have his biggest workloads early on in this season and then Tink Bigsby might be able to come on a little bit if Travis Etienne is struggling. But really, I just think this is a fantastic matchup for him. And I'll fade the Tink Bigsby stuff early on in the season. I think it's going to be Etienne for a lot of it. 
Jags are expected to win by five points. That's the spread. They're expected to put up 24 and a quarter points. You mentioned the topic I wanted to discuss, like how are the snaps defeat up here? Is it in rolls? Is it in dries? Because as we saw during the preseason, you know, Tank Bigsby went from one play with the starters to 36% of the plays with the starters. Either way, they're expected to put up, you know, 25-ish points, even Michael Hasey on passing downs. And if the long explosive runs are going to happen, they probably go through. Travis Etienne, rookie time, Jameer Gibbs, Thursday night opener against the Kansas City Chiefs. We just saw the quote that Ben Johnson put out there. Uh, I'll whittle it down to, quote, people might be surprised at how we're using Jameer Gibbs. I will add that the next sentence then said, I will say the same thing about David Montgomery, and people Mm. forgot to omit that. (laughs) Um, What does that quote make you think the usage might be like for Jameer Gibbs here in week one? I think downfield receptions, I can see wheel routes, like slot snaps from Jameer Gibbs. We'll see it. (laughs) Either way, though, like as somebody that was very much fading Jameer Gibbs in third round, this is the matchup where you absolutely smash the button on Jameer Gibbs. Last year, the the Chiefs allowed the most receptions to running backs at 107 in the entire NFL. He's only projected for three and a half receptions in the underdog fantasy pick and lobby, $100 deposit match if you use promo code the show. I think that one's fairly fairly interesting. Chris Jones being out is a massive, massive difference for the Chiefs. We're talking about somebody that's like top five and pressure rate, not even just that defensive tackle across the entire NFL. They're seven-point dogs. We'll see if that changes without Travis Kelsey. But really, this is just like the perfect game script. If you're not excited about Jameer Gibbs this week, then what exactly were you drafting him for? This might be like the lowest reception projection that we get all season long. For Jameer Gibbs, and by the way, as you can see in the Pick'em Lobby, you can enter that. And if you deposit for the first time, you also get a special out there. Use the link in the description down below. Use promo code the show. And so if you just combine those two, hey, you get a 3x. As uh, I would say, that is a frisky, a frisky projection in week one. I'm excited, man. I mean, the Lions were super productive with their backfields last season. And they all offseason made it known that, hey, we actually think we improved in both of those spots, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, last year, the Lions used their running backs at the highest rate in the NFL. Okay, let's stick in the NFC North and go with Alexander Madison against the Tampa Bay Bucks, a defense that despite huge transition offensively going from Tom Brady, they basically kept everyone and are still spending a load of cash on the defensive unit. Yeah, this has been a pass funnel for the last couple of years, the Tampa Bay, because their front seven has been wonderful and their back seven can be picked apart a little bit. I don't think it's that big of a gap anymore at this point. There's been a little bit of, of movement uh, this offseason here, but really you're just looking at it in Alexander Madison. It's a team that's projected for tied for the third most projected points on the week. We think he's going to play 60% of the snaps, especially in positive game script. Like this one, it's a home game. We'll see if Ty Chandler and Miles Gaskin are ready to steal work, but I think that would be a projection that would be more comfortable betting on later on the season. I think at home, huge favorites, a lot of points here. This is the week to get your Alexander Madison in your lineup. Yeah, I think the Vikings have the fourth highest expected point total of the week at 25 and three quarters. It's pretty amazing. And look, we didn't see Alexander Madison for a single snap during preseason, and maybe that's a good thing. Like maybe... We don't know exactly their usage for him. They've caught him a three down back all all season long. Meanwhile, we saw like Ty Chandler for almost 70 preseason snaps. Yeah. So while Madison, you know, might not be the most explosive back out there, they've talked up as 
hands for pass catching. And look, if he gets a three down roll, then man, that's volume you uh, you cannot debate each and every week. Speaking of Miles Sanders, you're running back 15 against the Atlanta Falcons here in week one. Yeah, I'm, I'm anticipating this ranking to be higher than the consensus, but I'm totally fine with that. The Falcons were horrific against the run the last couple seasons, though they made a lot of additions this offseason. We'll see if that gels together. But really, it's just betting on the contract that he got. It's a massive contract. They keep talking like he's going to be a bell cow back. We'll see how healthy Chuba Hubbard's ankle is right here. And I think that this matchup is totally fine for Miles Sanders. And I think that he's going to have just as many snaps as somebody like Alexander Madison. The only difference is the Panthers are predicted to score very few points compared right. to someone like Alexander Madison. We, we have seen the Falcons defensive line be like a one-man unit for many years with just Grady Jarrett. They did their best to fix that. Obviously, new defensive coordinator this offseason coming in from the Saints. We brought in a veteran, Clayus Campbell, a guy he knows very well, and David Anyamata. You bring in Bud Dupree, who can really hold an edge. You know, a new athletic linebacker and Caden Ellis going – next to a very athletic linebacker and mm-hmm. Troy Anderson. But like on the Panthers end, like it, if you're going to try to win this game with how questionable your wide receiver room has been this preseason, how questionable your pass pro has been as well, yeah. maybe it's get back to what they were successful at with a different regime last year and just run the heck out of the football. This is our first time seeing Miles Sanders in the Panthers uniform. I wouldn't be surprised if we get like 20 touches out of him in week one. Yeah, and that's why I'm ranking this aggressively, despite the overall concerns I have with the Panthers. And I also think that Bryce Young eventually is just going to be known as kind of a check down artist just because he doesn't want to take hits. He's kind of like Joe Burrow. We've seen Joe Burrow with Joe Mixon dump the ball off a ton. I can see similar things, especially because these guys suck at wide receiver. <laughs> they, they have to throw the ball to somebody. Hey, not my guy Mingo. My guy Mingo is going to be good. Um, but when you say check down artist, that has like a negative connotation to it. I would say it's a positive connotation as like sure. a guy who, you know, Jameer Gibbs last year with Alabama two years ago was Brian Robinson had a boatload of receptions. Mm-hmm. When you're saying Joe Burrow-esque, that's what mm-hmm. I think of with gaining positive yardage out of it, not being, um, let's say, shy with throwing right. down I the agree. field. Damian Pierce, one of our favorites, maybe the favorites of all offseason. It hurts me to see you rank him as running back 15, but I totally get it because this is about the worst draw you can have in week one when your offensive line has so many questions and you're facing, let's say, a demolition unit in the Ravens' defensive front. Yeah, after they traded for Roquan Smith last year, the Ravens were fourth in the EPA per play allowed. They were also top eight against fantasy running backs, and this is just miserable game environment for Damian Pierce. Vegas only has the Texans projected for 16 and a half points. That's like on par with the Arizona Cardinals. So that's what we're talking about here when you're missing your left guard, your center, potentially your right tackle, most likely your right tackle. So the only saving grace Damian Pierce has is the potential that he's going to have all the third down routes. He got those in the preseason. Will it translate? I think that it will, but we need it to translate for him to be an RB2 because the touchdowns and the rushing yards and stuff is going to be pretty impossible against the Ravens. Yeah. At the same time, we have seen the 49ers in the past have some offensive line injuries and utilize some sweet concepts and a lot of tight ends and fullbacks to, you know, keep defensive guessing. I think we're going to see that from the Texans, but I agree. Like we can hang our hat on the usage that we've seen from Damian Pierce. And a lot of that is in the receiving game too. I love this. I believe you had Raheem Mostert in the next tier previously this morning, you moved him all the way up to running back 17 as they faced the Los Angeles chargers in week one. So the Chargers faced uh, the Dolphins late last year, and I thought that was to his probably worst game, uh, maybe of his career, 
where the Chargers are weakest at is defending the run. Now, they're trying to stop the run. This has been something that they talked about for a long time uh, in L.A., but the Chargers allowed 5.6 yards per carry last year, the second most rushing yards allowed to running backs. Right now, it's going to be maybe Devon Achain as the RB2, but I think it's more likely to be Salvin Ahmed. I don't think either of them are going to be banked on. I think it's going to be Raheem Mozart as the clear RB1, and I just think that the way that the Dolphins can keep this thing close is a little bit more of a balanced approach on offense, which means Raheem Mostert, I think, in all capacities. They've used him as a pass catcher before. He has yeah. gotten goal line usage again. So with this is the best opportunity I think that we'll have for the Dolphins the entire season when we're talking about the running backs. Brandon Staley's got to step up, man. Like, I understand it's part of his philosophy that, like, hey, we'll let you run the ball. Uh, but they have lost games because of that. I mean, mm-hmm. this comes from the great Rich Rebar. In 2022, the Chargers allowed a league high, as you said, 5.6 yards per carry to opposing running backs. They were 31st in success rate. They were 31st in yards allowed before contact on those carries and 30th in yards allowed after contact. So if you allow them to run the ball and then after you try to tackle them, allow them to run the ball some yeah. more. Again, you get Raheem Mostert, who among all running backs last year with 100 or more carries, he was eighth in the NFL in yards per carry and yeah. fourth in runs to gain 10 or more yards. I love this aggressive ranking from you with Raheem Mostert as running back 17. When you watch the Chargers last year, their linebackers, corners, and safeties, except for Derwin James, just couldn't make tackles. And like if they just need to make those tackles or otherwise they're going to the house. And that obviously Raheem Mostert fits the bill. David Montgomery. Running back 18 for you. We have sung the praises of the signing. Our hopes, our optimism is there while everyone focused on Jameer Gibbs because we saw him in preseason action. This is another player. The first time seeing David Montgomery in a Lions uniform is in week one. Yes. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have, and you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. Game script isn't working in his favor. Obviously, road dogs against the Chiefs here. The Chiefs were 29th and carries allowed. We'll see what the point spread ends up closing if Travis Kelsey does miss here. And I also don't want to dismiss David Montgomery's ability to work as a pass catcher, too. Like it, It's certainly possible that David Montgomery catches three passes, four or five passes himself, even if Jameer Gibbs is being used as this offensive weapon. So... The Lions are projected for a healthy amount of points. I think the Chris Jones absence is going to help David Montgomery, especially here. And I think that the Lions could kind of hold their own here as the Chiefs kind of figure out their defense. Historically, the Chiefs defense gets way better late in the season. In the first part of the year, they're trying to figure things out. That would work in David Montgomery's favor. You know, pony personnel, two running back sets, not talking fullbacks here, gets thrown around a lot during offseason and training camp stuff. 
Ben Johnson is not like the rest. Ben Johnson has been thinking about this matchup since his released Island game, Thursday night football, defending champs. I bet we see Jameer Gibbs and Dave Montgomery on the same field for at least like five or six snaps in this game. And so many people are just attaching Jamal Williams role over to David Montgomery. Um, Jamal Williams only had 16 targets and 12 receptions. I bet Dave Montgomery at least doubles that this year with 32 targets and 24 receptions, if not more than that. Like he is a very, yeah, he is a very capable pass catcher. So I don't want to limit him to what we saw from last season with Jamal Williams just to, Hey, he has to score 14 touchdowns inside the two yard line to be relevant. Isaiah Pacheco in that same game for you is next. Talk me through this because we haven't seen Isaiah Pacheco coming off of injury as like a feature back workhorse back in preseason. Yeah, this is a very difficult ranking. Clyde Overtelier actually started ahead of Isaiah Pacheco in the preseason week three game when all three of them were healthy. I think McKinnon's going to play the passing downs. I think Pacheco and CH are going to kind of rotate their roles. I'm taking kind of a humble stance here. In the underdog fantasy pick'em lobby, Isaiah Ooh, Pacheco is well. projected for 10 and a half PPR points. That is way higher than where I would have ranked him. I trust the underdog pick'em lobby to some degree here, actually in a lot of degrees. And we'll see what happens. I think that maybe he has some better odds of scoring a touchdown. Travis Kelsey's not involved. We'll see here. This is one where you're just going to have to read the news about his own playing time, Travis Kelsey's playing time. And I would also pay attention to see what happens with the Chiefs' uh, projected points in general here. But really, the underdog pick'em lobby looks pretty healthy for him. Our quarterback and tight end tiers and rankings will come out on Thursday ahead of that game. And hopefully we have a little bit more news about Travis Kelsey ahead of that time. So if you're on the lookout, if you drafted him in round one, you have to subscribe. You have to, who else is spending, you know, 27 minutes in the top 20 running backs this week. Okay. Is that a good <laughs> we'll close it out with, um, I think you had Jamal Williams here. Is yes, this I did. You got, you moved him all the way up to running back 20. I think this is an outlandish ranking. Terrible, terrible, terrible matchup against the Titans. They were first in rushing EPA allowed. They were second best defense against fantasy running backs. So why? Who the hell is backing up Jamal Williams? Kendrick if Kendrick Miller? Miller's, if he's out, he's not practicing yet. He's got a hamstring injury. Literally, right now, their, mat, their depth chart at running back, it's Jamal Williams. It's Kendrick Miller who's probably going to be out. Then they just signed two practice squad guys on September 1st that weren't even part of the team. Most practice squad guys were at least in the offense. Brand yeah. new practice squad guys. Jamal Williams can get like 65 at least percent of the snaps here, potentially even higher. So they're favorites against the Titans here. I'm throwing away all the matchup notes. I'm going to sort my playing time here. It's going to be like Taysom Hill is going to get snaps at running back, I think. It is, we haven't seen a desperate uh, running back depth chart like this before. To your point, like it can happen if the Saints offensive line, which they continue to heavily invest in every single offseason, like continues to play well, they have a very difficult matchup against monsters along the Titans defensive line. I don't think Jamal Williams is like that overly talented, despite all of his fantasy points from last season. But man, if he falls into the end zone, he absolutely is going to qualify as a top 20 scoring running back this week. Tier three. Najee Harris, yes, Najee Harris against the San Francisco 49ers defense, a tough one. Yeah, the 49ers allowed the fewest running back carries and rushing yards last year. Uh, we think Jalen Warren is going to play most of the passing situations here, 
And the Steelers, as much as we loved them in the preseason, it's just not a good matchup for them. They're not projected for very many points. And I think what we know about Najee's role is going to be fairly limited to early downs and touchdowns. And just right now, he's not projected to do well in either of those categories because of the matchup. I think you just said this. The Steelers are bottom five in expected points this week, 19 mm-hmm. and a quarter. Um, that goes very much against what we saw all of preseason action where they scored a touchdown every single time Kenny Pickett was on the field. So what's going to win out? Like I could see after week one, everyone being like, well, I thought the Steelers offense was supposed to be great. You know, we all hyped them up and look, preseason doesn't matter again. Mm-hmm. Or it could be like, Hey, the 49ers defense has been really good this entire time. And look how good the Steelers offense was against them. Uh, all systems go for the Steelers in 2023. Either I- one of those outcomes is possible. I think it'll be fine this this week, but I think it might just be like more like Deontay Johnson moving the ball and not necessarily like throwing it into Najee Harris's belly. J.K. Dobbins running back 22. He faced the Houston Texans. A very good matchup. Um, maybe the running back who comes back to bite me the most this offseason, Hayden, because he had a ton of receptions at Ohio State. Showed a lot of comfort there that we know going into – his NFL career with Greg Roman, they didn't throw to the running backs. Now the common thread all offseason has been, hey, we're going to utilize our running backs in the passing game. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what J.K. Dobbins' role is going to be. All I know is the Texans allowed the most touchdowns to running backs last year, and the Ravens are projected for the second most points in the league this week. It's at home. I just This is as high as I can possibly put a player that I was like going out of my way to fade. I'm very curious to see what the – the rotation is going to be. We saw Justice Hill get some love. Gus Edwards is healthy and been moving around fairly well. Very efficient runner. And then we'll see about the offense in general. So I think this is me throwing my hands up in the air and just saying the Ravens are going to score a lot of points. I hope it goes to Dobbins. Uh, Aaron Jones is your running back 23. Why don't you talk about him against the Chicago Bears and A.J. Dillon if you want to. Yeah, so with, with Jones, he's going to need, I think, some negative game scripts to get there because A.J. Dillon's been working at the goal line more than he has. The Bears were 31st against fantasy running backs last year, but they made a lot of improvements on defense. I can see Chicago being much better uh, than they were last year against fantasy running backs. Slight dog on the road uh, for the Packers this, this week. So I think he'll be fine enough with receptions and stuff, but historically when Aaron Jones isn't scoring touchdowns, he is more of a flex play, so that's where I'm kind of having him here with the the Packers projected for like middle of the road points. I know being at home qualifies you for extra points here. I'm stunned that the Packers are underdogs here in this game. Just looking at how the two teams have played, their preseason, coaching staffs, all that stuff, just a bit surprising. I'm not saying like I'm massively into the Packers are going to be as good as they have been these last few years, but um, maybe that's more of my opinion on where the Bears are at. Mm-hmm. moment okay after aaron jones you have brian robinson who you also moved up this morning as you're running back 24 yeah brian robinson is just a perfect matchup for him he's going to open the season seven point home favorites against the defense that allowed the fourth most rushing touchdowns and the third most fantasy points to running backs the cardinals man they've lost so much talent on defense like jj watt they have safeties they have linebackers they have hybrids of linebackers and safeties they're missing basically everybody <laughs> it's just not good uh for the cardinals right now i think brian robinson's gonna do way better in positive game scripts he might be a candidate to catch a couple more passes than what people are gonna yes. project there but really it's just like play the running backs against the cardinals this year i like that strategy that could win us some money this year dalvin cook is your running back 25 you can talk about him and Brees hall who checks in as your running back 31 
Yeah, this one is very hard for me to parse through. I'm looking at the latest report on from Ian Rapp, uh, Rappaport. Uh, Brees Hall didn't practice a couple days ago. They're calling it a maintenance day. Uh, the report is that both Brees and Dalvin Cook are going to play. But at the end of that report, Rap sheet said the team will, quote, be smart with Hall in his return. What do you, what do you read between that? I, I think that Dalvin's probably more likely to get playing time than Brees Hall. The matchup is totally fine for me. Buffalo's kind of middle of the pack. Uh, against fantasy running backs. I'm going with Dalvin Cook ahead of Brees Hall in my rankings, but this is one where Sunday morning we're going to get more concrete details, and I'll probably just ride whatever those are. Yeah, I mean, you know me. Season long, I am way more into Brees Hall than I am in Dalvin Cook uh, because both missed time during this training camp. Obviously, not a surprise we're getting a maintenance day for Brees Hall. Would it be shocking if like Michael Carter gets a few snaps here or there in this game too? Because he has been the consistent member of this backfield for all of preseason too. No, I, I just don't know where Dalvin Cook is at at this moment because he started practicing once preseason action was over. It's pretty simple. Okay, uh, you have some running backs on bad teams that are expected to lose this week. Let's go to Cam Akers and Rashad White in the next two uh, rankings here. I mean, Hayden... Cam Akers is facing the Seahawks. Rashad White is facing the Minnesota Vikings. We just got a quote from the Bucks offensive coordinator, Dave Canellis, I believe his name is, that, quote, I think we have a really fantastic back. I think we have a bunch of good backs. So I think, I think they can platoon that, meaning the backups. Uh, that's leading a lot of people to be like, oh, man, packing my Rashad White bags. Uh, just nervous about facing this Vikings defense here in week one. Yeah, you talked about in our last show that like the Trey Sermon zone where one of these starters can all, all of a sudden not have the role that we're talking about. And I think that Rashad White and Cam Akers would be kind of at the top of that worry list. That's why I have them buried here. I think people are going to look at the Cam Akers uh, opponent stats and look at the Seahawks. They were 26th in rushing EPA, 28th in fantasy running backs last year. I would warn against using those. They just signed Draymond Jones at defensive tackle to like really sure up that defensive line. They got Bobby Wagner in there a little bit. I'm worried that if Cooper Cup's not going to play, and it sounds like that's the case for week one, that the Rams just go to shit. <laughs> and I think that Cam Akers is going to be a positive game script running back because they're going to use Kyron Williams, kind of a pass-blocking guy, at his expense. So I don't really love Cam Akers or Rashad White. Rashad White faces Brian Flores, Minnesota Vikings defense. They're going to be flying at Baker Mayfield. So hopefully, hopefully he can continue that same pass game usage that we saw with him connected to Tom Brady. After Rashad White is running back 27, you have James Cook as running back 28. Talk to me, because I think this is kind of uh, criminally low. I know they're facing the New York Jets. Very mm -hmm. good defense. Probably the most dominant unit during preseason. But uh, I think James Cook's going to be out there for the vast majority of running back snacks. Yeah, looking at this, I could probably move him up a couple spots here. Just the matchup's pretty tough, in my opinion. The Jets were already top 10 last year, and I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to play really slow on offense. I think it's going to be even harder to score running back fantasy points um, against the Jets this year. And I didn't love that Damian Harris converted the only goal line carry. I think that's probably the expectation here, though. James Cook is super explosive, and he's going to have big rushing lanes, just how the offense works over there. So maybe he deserves a tink or two spots up ahead, but don't necessarily love the matchup either. Yeah, I mean... Why not put him ahead of guys on bad teams that are expected to score very few points? Um, well, I will say with the Bills are only projected to score 23 and a half points. Like most of the, most of the weeks we're going to talk about this this year, the Bills will be projected 28, 29 points. Like this is not the same Bills projection as we've had historically. Sure, but that's three more points than the Rams are expected to score this week. That is, you know, three more points than the Bucs are expected to score this week. Like those mm -hmm. that's important numbers. I'll flip those important numbers. 
James Conner, speaking of low numbers, is next for you. I mean, against the Washington Commanders, the Cardinals are expected to score 15 and a half points. That's a full point lower than the rest of the NFL at 31. It's going to be pretty tough. And the Commanders were fourth <laughs> against fantasy running backs last year. And I would argue the uh, Commanders are healthier up front. And that could even be worse this year. So James Conner, I was hoping we're going to get Colt McCoy out there and just dump the ball off to James Conner over and over again. Remember, James Conner was a legit upside RB1 last year without Kyler Murray. I think that this is just asking a lot for James yeah, Conner. It is. Okay, we'll close at the top 30 here with Khalil Herbert. Oh, talk to me here because I think we have a handle on what this backfield is going to be. Twitter is pushing the narrative that Roshan is going to take over this backfield, maybe by like week two or week three. Maybe that's a possibility, but in my brain, Killer Herbert is good enough to latch on to those two series, at least roles as moving as we get moving forward. Yeah, so I think first off, the matchup is an eruption spot matchup for him. I Ooh. think that's totally fine for Khalil Herbert. Last year, we saw David Montgomery two drives, then Khalil Herbert one. They got the entire drive. I think Khalil Herbert's going to get the first two drives. I am fearful that Roshan Johnson's going to be playing the passing downs on those drives, and that's where you're going to get the rug pull out from Khalil yeah, Herbert. But, but does that matter? Does that really matter? It really doesn't matter because the Bears don't throw to their running backs, but at the same time, that's a problem for Khalil Herbert. So I think it's a good matchup. I just think that this Bears running back group is going to be kind of stuck in this flex territory, even in some of the better matches. The Packers have sucked against the run for years. Yeah, and I want to bring that up because why they kept their defensive coordinator, I think the pieces might be better for the Packers this year. Like, you know, we get a leap from Devontae Wyatt. You know, we get Rashawn Gary back on the field. You add Lucas Van Ness as a rotational piece along the edge. Hopefully Quay Walker knows which direction he's supposed to run in this season. Like these are elements where sure the play calling can be a bit shy and timid at times, but maybe the Jimmy's and the Joe's rather than the X's and the O's mm -hmm. keep them from being one of the worst run stuffing units last year. Um, yep. Hopefully. Okay. Let's jump to is it tier four. It is. And I think this is ridiculous that you have plummeted DeAndre Swift all the way down there as running back 31. What gives? Are you just terrified that you might not know how this Eagles backfield situation might unfold here in week one? Yeah, well, I think I think it's going to be a committee here. And I don't think that the Eagles project as well this week versus where they had like last year, like they were averaging like 30 points this week. They're projected for like 25 and a half, still fairly good. But I don't think we're going to have necessarily a miles sanders role in this offense my expectation right now and check me if i'm wrong here deandre swift starts kenny gainwell is going to play on some of the passing situations rashad penny's going to get a couple drives here whoever's on the field during that drive is going to get the goal line carries and all of a sudden we're chopping up a rushing unit i think was 18th in fantasy points three ways i ranked deandre swift ahead of the other guys the matchups mid against the, the patriots a very good defense so, on the road yeah, this is just like where he'll he'll be ranked higher than this in other weeks. Okay. All right. I, I don't know. I've just been on this long journey with DeAndre Swift this offseason where we had to highlight how his high-value touches are going to be different with the Philadelphia Eagles. Yet at the end of the day, once we got to fantasy draft season, we were well ahead of the market in drafting DeAndre Swift. So I think we might look back on this week and say that DeAndre Swift was the only fantasy-relevant running back for the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. You already talked about Brees Hall as your running back 32. So let's get into your 33rd and 34th running backs. They're on the same team. That's Javante Williams and Samaj P Ryan. 
Yeah, so I think it's a fairly good matchup here. There's uncertainty with the roles here. In the preseason game, Javante Williams was only on uh, early downs. Samaji P. Run, just how he was with Joe Mixon as the sidekick, was playing on the passing situations. We'll see if there's going to be an actual snap count limit, touch limit for Javante Williams. I would not be surprised just because of how serious his knee tear was and how quickly he's returning from that. You don't want to have a J.K. Dobbins situation where you rush back too early in the season. Um, but the matchup is fantastic here. So I, I put him right next to Brees Hall kind of in this. Uh, I, I like the matchup. I like the talent here. But really, it's just the question marks around the actual playing time. Hopefully, we have a little bit more concrete details going into Sunday. Four-point favorites against the Las Vegas Raiders at home. Expected to score 24. Like, this might be one of the most advantageous matchups for Javante mm-hmm. Williams for the entire season. Positive game script. Hey, let's run the ball because we know that Samaj P. Ryan has that passing down work. Second long, obviously third downs on lock. This might not be the matchup to start off with for Samaj P. Ryan. Okay, after them, you have Antonio Gibson. We talked about Brian Williams some. I'm totally with you having him a full tier, tier higher makes a lot of sense. I'm still trying to figure out how Antonio Gibson outside of the two, four minute drill, maybe third lawn work, how he's going to be relevant in situations outside of that. Yeah, I completely agree. It's just not the right game script for him. Um, I will say if Terry McLaurin's not out there, maybe there's a chance they scheme up a couple more passes to Antonio Gibson, but really it's just ride Brian Robinson. Okay, so much of these backs, we've already talked about the primary in the backfield. Chiefs at 36 and 37. It is Jarek McKinnon and Clyde Erdzielaire. We saw very little of Jet McKinnon during the preseason. We saw a lot of Clyde Erdzielaire. Yeah, I'm hoping we get some clarity on how healthy Isaiah Pacheco is going into Thursday Night Football. Go base yourself on those rankings. I'll update my rankings once we get better information. I think that it's going to be a three-way committee, and I just have to rank these guys fairly high just because the Chiefs are going to be projected for like 28 points or something like that. And without Kelsey, like who's scoring the fantasy points? You already talked about A.J. Dillon. So let's hit on the Colts backfield with Zach Moss um, as you're running back 39. It sounds like the beat writers entirely suggest that when Zach Moss is back healthy with what his forearm fracture, that he is going to be the lead running back. We have not seen that in preseason because he has not played in the preseason. It has been a rotation of Evan Hull and Deion Jackson. Everyone out there wants to pick up the running back handcuff for this team. You're suggesting, but not really suggesting Zach Moss is it. Yeah, I think it will be Zach Moss. I'm not sure if it's going to be Zach Moss in week one, though. It's just, is he healthy enough? Uh, Breaking your arm seems not great to be a running back. Um, But I don't think that Evan Hull or Deion Jackson will be worthy of um a flex ranking just because the Colts offense does not project well especially to the running backs we've already heard the coaching staff call this probably a committee backfield and I think that's best suited for someone like Deion Jackson and Evan Holder basically profile as change of pace guys Zach Moss at least in theory has like the body size to kind of be that between the tackles rusher I don't think he's very good especially coming off this broken arm but we'll just have to see once we get official injury reports Five-point underdogs, the Colts are at home to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We know that Deion Jackson in the past, attached like Matt Ryan and company, has caught a bunch of passes. We know Evan Hull has that receiving ability that just hasn't been a part of Anthony Richardson's repertoire as a passer. And this kind of goes back to, again, my monologue of not every running back two on a team is a handcuff. Mm-hmm. We want upside in those situations, guys who, once the starter goes down, we know that the team trusts them to be a three-down player to inherit that same workload. I don't think we can say that yet about any of these Indianapolis Colts. Not all backup running backs are created equal. Mm-hmm. 
I would say we have reached the your team is effed tier if you're starting <laughs> these guys. Well, Tyler Algier, you know, super successful last year. Again, very intrigued to see if he gets more, not more, but let's say like 40% of true running back snaps if Bijan gets moved around a little bit. Yeah, the Falcons were eighth in running back usage last year, and they were very efficient on top of that. I'm not expecting any of that to change. I think we'll see if Tyler Algier is going to have kind of like the Elijah Mitchell role where like he mixes in just enough and he's efficient just enough to maybe be a flex option. I think that's kind of where I'm at with Tyler Algier. Okay, we'll close it out with tier five and some of our favorite players here. Zach Charbonnet, Jalen Warren, checking as your running back 41 and 42. Yeah, I just don't think that they project enough. And we're going to find out more about Zach Charbonnet. You know, like we're going to find out more of what they plan to use him as if it is going to be in passing situations, if it is going to be goal line, or if Kenneth Walker, who's really good, is able to still stick on the field in those dynamics. Like lessons are learned in week one, and that's why we have stats versus film after it. 100%. I think Charbonnet probably is going to be the passing down guy. Maybe this is such a blowout that Charbonnet gets some extra looks, but I think week one rookie is not necessarily think. We talked about Rashad Penny. We talked about Kenny Gainwell. They are through your running back 44. Let's close this out with Eli Mitchell, Tank Bigsby, and Damian Harris. Do you think any of any of them mean anything? Well, I'm excited. To, like Zach Charbonnet, I'm excited to see what Tank Bigsby. And if they, again, teams across the league utilize their running backs in different ways, whether it be the Bears that went two for one, whether it be certain roles in short yardage or passing downs or so on and so forth. So like, are the Jaguars one of those teams? Or are they just going to rotate them in the series? And then it's kind of luck based on, hey, if it's a touchdown drive, then your guy has a potential score touchdown. You know, I'm hoping in week one, you don't have to start Tank Bigsby. I think something went very wrong in your draft if you're starting them. I think it matters more for the guys that we have ranked up ahead. But I'm very curious to see what it's like. Final note on Eli Mitchell. I totally get it. Last year with... Christian McCaffrey and Eli Mitchell. I think McCaffrey only averaged 15 touches in those games compared to 23 touches when Eli Mitchell wasn't in games. Um, Eli Mitchell has missed some time this preseason. Would you be stunned if Kyle Shanahan shows up and like Jordan Mason is the running back too? Hey, I've, I think that our deep sicko sleepers tier. I think I mentioned Jordan Mason. I think Jordan Mason can play. We'll see about Elijah Mitchell. Okay. That was an extended version of, Week one running back tiers. It will not be that in depth every single week, but there was a lot to talk about heading into week one. And guess what? We'll do wide receivers tomorrow. And then Thursday morning, we'll have quarterbacks, tight ends, and for your true sickos, defenses as well. Again, want to remind you Sunday morning, what around 10 a.m., 10 30 a.m., something like mm -hmm. that. Be on the lookout. We'll have a live show with just me and Hayden answering your questions for hours about your week one drafts and your week one lineups. And then we'll recap Sunday Night Football as well. And these are my final rankings. I'm going to be tinkering these things once we get more news, especially injury news later on the season matters very clearly. And last thing I have on Underdog Fantasy, it's not too late. Before Thursday, you can still draft on Underdog. We have weekly winners. Best Ball Mania is probably going to close tomorrow. If you want a couple more teams just to some, for something to root for, it's still not too late. We will have something to draft before Thursday. And then Battle Royale, which is six, six rounds of drafts. It's just one week DFS slates. Big prizes this year. We have live finals. If you want to go compete, you get top three. You're going to win a ticket to go to Miami. Josh and I will be there. I'm sure Josh will buy you a drink. I'll buy you a drink if you show up there and you're subscribed to the show. Uh, lots of stuff to do on Underdog Fantasy. It's not just the YouTube channel. We have games to play. Yep. Click the link in the description. 
I will match your first deposit up to $100. And yeah, you get a special pick them uh, that you can pair with Jameer Gibbs, hire three and a half receptions, and let's go 3x our money. All right. For Hayden, I'm Josh and producer Weeze. Up the bell. We'll talk to y'all soon.